0: We got what it takes for the cycle to break revolution
1: is in me I belong I belong I belong I belong Hi you guys, welcome to the Untamed and Unashamed podcast. This is a place where together we can navigate through life's ups and downs with all of the vulnerability, compassion and openness that we can muster, celebrating our bravery in all of it. Along with the help of guests from all walks of life, we'll discover new truths while doing some unlearning, and we'll gain valuable tools for becoming who we already are, while also uncovering our divine gifts. I'm Jade Bryce, and I'm so thankful that you're here. As a little girl, I found my friends in books. The writers would become my mentors in a way. I often felt saved in them. And books, they were just, they were my safe place. I kept whichever one I was reading with me in my bed as I slept. And I used to speak to the writers in my head, even after finishing their books. And when Twitter was created, I was like, holy shit, I can tweet writers and ask them questions. And I did it all the time, my bibliophile heart feeling so nourished each time that I got a response. And then this podcast came into my life and I began to be able to book some of these writers as guests on the show with a constant feeling of what is this life that I get to live where I get to talk to writers of books that I love. Like I can, it's still like, I still am like feeling that feeling of like pinch me. Am I really getting to do this? My inner child who felt safest with her nose and books celebrates and I can feel her gratitude for this life that I get to live this life that I've chosen and that has chosen me. And you guys, I'm interviewing one of my favorite writers today. This is truly possible because you guys listen to this show, because you guys share episodes and leave reviews, and you guys engage on my social Yes, I know and believe fullheartedly that source energy is ultimately what brings them to me. And although this show isn't massive, I get a lot of yeses. But a huge part of that is because of y'all and how you support this dream of mine that I get to live out. So hand to heart, thank you. And hand to heart, please continue with me if you feel called by sharing this episode, by leaving a review if you haven't already, and by commenting on the social promos for it. It means so much and truly it's such a light in my life. So thank you. So this writer, Rabbi Mark Gaffney, he's written 12 books, but the most romantic book I've ever read is his titled The Erotic and the Holy. I was moved on every single page. And as it started to end, I began reading it so slow, like I just slowed down by like 10 times as much as I had been reading it before, just savoring my last first time moments with the words. And this book made love to my soul. It ends with him saying, so we are blessed to be lovers, to shift the boundaries of the artificial, to live in the gorgeousness of Eros and what they call in Kabbalah, the secret of the kiss you know what the secret of the kiss is? In a kiss, giving and receiving collapse into one. There's no giving or receiving, only oneness. Live in the secret of the kiss. And I have always loved kissing, perhaps more than anything else. It always felt deeply intimate, And it's what I missed most about being intimate with another. And as I am choosing to eroticize all of my life and to live in Eros, I am choosing to live in the secret of the kiss. So on to today's guest, Dr. Mark Gaffney. He's an American philosopher. He's an author and a rabbi who became a new age spiritual teacher with a focus on integral theory, Eros, and outrageous love. He is the president of the Center for the Integral Wisdom. He is a visionary thinker and social activist. I spoke already of one of my favorite books of his, "The Erotic and the Holy." But he also wrote the award-winning "Your Unique Self: The Radical Path to Personal Enlightenment," the two-volume "Radical Kabbalah," the recently published "Self in Integral Evolutionary Mysticism," two models and why they matter, and. Tears, Reclaiming Ritual, Integral Religion, and Rosh Hashanah. He holds his doctorate in philosophy from Oxford University and received his rabbi certification from the chief rabbi in Israel. He teaches on the cutting edge of philosophy in the West, helping to evolve a new dharma or meta theory of integral meaning that is helping to reshape key pivoting points in consciousness and culture. He is a leading activist, think tank, dedicated to articulating a practical politics of love and to catalyzing an emergent personal and global vision of ethics, eros, and meaning. He helps us all remember and return to a life of erotic mysticism. I could not be more thrilled to have him on the show today. Please help me welcome Dr. Mark Gaffney to Untamed and Unashamed. Hi. (laughs) Hey,
2: it is great to be with you. Fantastic.
1: Yeah, I'm so excited. I was telling the listeners before you jumped on that as a little girl, I found my safe place in books and the writers became like my best friends and my mentors. And it, you know, when Twitter came out, it was like so cool that I could like tweet a writer and ask, ask a question and get a response. And then being able to have a podcast now where I get to sit with some of my favorite writers, it's like, I can just feel my inner child, like feeling so rewarded and created. So thank you for being here (laughs) because my inner child just feels so hugged. (laughs) Yay.
2: yay, mad blessings to your inner child. Oh my God. Yes. It's great to be here. Thank you. And you're friends with Kyle and Aubrey, you said, who are dear friends, which is wonderful.
1: Yeah. Kyle's the one that introduced me to your work. Um, I took Layla Martin's course, uh, for the last year and a half mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah. And so deep, deep dives into Tantra and Kyle was like, oh, you've got to read Mark Gaffney's book, uh, erotic mm-hmm. and the holy. And
0: mm-hmm. I don't know
1: that any book has had me cry more romantic tears ever. It's like the most romantic I'm book wonder, I've ever read.
0: Wonderful. Oh, yes.
1: Wonderful.
0: Yes. I've-
1: I'd love for you to share what brought you to your studies on Eros and and Mysticism. Yeah. And then we can go into what it is. Yeah, no,
2: beautiful, beautiful question. You know, the we all live in a world of sexuality. And it struck me very early that we don't have a story. Of our own sexuality that's mm-hmm. equal to our experience of sexuality. And there's this gap between our experience and our meaning making, our story, our sexual mm-hmm. narrative. And that's tragic. And it's not just tragic, kind of emotionally existentially spiritually psychologically you know politically right it's it's tragic because we feel fundamentally drenched in shame right Mm. there's an essential experience of shame that Mm. adheres to sexuality and shame itself in its toxic form is really the root of all evil.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Right? So there's a, there's a certain kind of very evolved form of shame which calls us to our best, yeah. but that really is very rare
0: mm-hmm.
2: and really shame at its core. And by shame, I want to define the shame I'm talking about here. Shame, which is the experience that I'm broken and can't be fixed.
0: Yeah. You yeah, know, they stop the me.
2: Right, right. They stopped making that part of the factory that would fix me, right? Shame Mm -hmm. is the experience, not that I did something bad, but that I am bad,
0: Mm
2: -hmm. right? At the core. And there's something that happens very early, Jade, in which we have an early experience of sexuality, which is our experience of aliveness. Mm
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And particularly early in life, our goodness and our aliveness, our goodness and aliveness are inextricably linked. My experience of my aliveness and my experience of my goodness are the same. Mm -hmm. And so when my aliveness is shamed, there's this fundamental imprint which shames my goodness. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And if I live with the fundamental experience that although my public persona seems to be getting through and i seem to have you know fooled sufficient people to to be successful but if people actually knew who i was if they actually mm-hmm. knew the depth and nature of my desire that actually i wouldn't be loved and i wouldn't be honored and to actually walk through that as my core experience of life which is imprinted early on and then gets reimprinted again and again and again creates a fundamental tragedy in the human being
0: mm-hmm.
2: and it creates a planet drenched in shame and that mm-hmm. shame becomes the root of all evil because that's the place where we act out from. Right? We, yeah. we act out to cover that shame. And mm-hmm. all of that acting out right creates the broken politics and the broken economics and the broken structures of relationship, which generate the meta-crisis we're in now, right? A meta-crisis in which the planet itself is in some sense threatened, right? Both our humanity is threatened, right? The very existence of humanity over a long term or shorter term, and the nature of our humanity, the experience of our humanity is threatened because we have a win-lose metric system that dominates our economics and our politics, which is actually generating all of the causes for the systems that are causing the breakdown. So actually, Mm -hmm. there's a direct line between our sexual narrative and our political narrative and our economic Mm -hmm. narrative and our social narrative. If we can't live in the depths of our sexual being as an expression of the goodness of reality, the aliveness of reality. Mm-hmm. Reality's inherent sense of desire. Not all the clarified desire. We have, to, we have to go to the depth of our desire, our deepest heart's desire. But our deepest heart's desire live in our bodies. Mm-hmm. And our bodies selves, when clarified, actually can take us home. So that's, yeah. that's the beginning mm-hmm. of a conversation.
1: Yeah, it it feels like that, the oppression of that, uh, whether it's the political or the social or the economic, they all go hand in hand with the oppression of our sexuality. And so if they want to, like, if there's this desire of oppression on one, it's like, we've been oppressed sexually to kind of like disempower all of the others, it feels like. And what I love about your work and about Tantra is that this thought of original sin, it flips it on its head. And, and instead, uh, you know, teaches this narrative of original goodness instead. And that brings with it, like you said, a different type of shame that can be useful because with original sin, there's that toxic shame, but with original goodness, if there's a feeling of shame, it's this organic shame. That's like, ah, I see the distance between who, what I've done, how I'm behaving and who I know myself to be. And so it's a completely different.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, beautiful. So let's 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 pick up on a couple of things. You know, you said so. First, it's absolutely true that every new desire to heal reality, right, to respond to a broken world, every liberation movement seeks to liberate sexuality.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: That's absolutely true. There's always a sexual movement right? Of a profound liberation. The tragedy is that those movements move to liberate sexuality, but without a new sexual narrative, without a new Mm -hmm. story of sexuality. So the Mm -hmm. sexual liberation movement, for example, of the 60s had no story of sexing. It had no narrative of desire. It had no dharma, if you will. And that's true Uh across the board. So we can't just liberate sexuality. We have to actually Access a deep understanding of its nature. Right. Mm-hmm. So we need to actually articulate a sexual narrative. Number one. Then we need to mm-hmm. articulate a kind of phenomenology of sexuality. And it's what kinds of sexings exist, and what's their mm-hmm. shadow form, what's their light form, and what's happened with tantra is, which you invoke and in very, very, very beautifully and wisely, is that mm-hmm. tantra, particularly in the Western world, but but really in its, all of its places has gotten dislocated from its larger context. 99% of Tantra, of course, my friends had nothing to do with sexuality.
1: 99% of
2: Tantra was about a universe story, about a story of identity. So it's really about three questions. Tantra is about three questions at its core. It's about who am I? It's about where am I? And it's about what do I want or what do I desire or what's my deepest heart's desire?
0: Mm-hmm. I call
2: those three great questions of what I call cosmoerotic humanism, this new story of value that's at the center of the work. I'm talking to Aubrey about it, you know, a lot. So what we've done today is we've articulated this modern tantra that kind of dominates the, the, the Internet and, and mm-hmm. the literature which has, of course, a lot to offer, I'm sure, but it actually focuses on sexuality, Mm -hmm. decontextualized from the larger story of who am I,
0: Mm -hmm. where am I, and -hmm. what do
2: I want? So so the sexual narrative is a direct expression of the answers to those questions. Does that Mm -hmm. make sense?
1: Yeah, and you spoke of the 60s and that, that you know, yeah. that lack of sexual narrative, it feels like the, that movement was like an external revolution sexually.
0: Yeah, beautiful.
1: And, and Tantra is like an internal revolution of it because although, like you said, it's 99% not about sex, like as you teach, Tantra is to expand, it's to liberate and like, where is there more power for that than some of the most taboo areas of our lives?
2: <laughs> totally 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 but we can't yes 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 and yes no but just a, an and to your beautiful sentences with tender permission but mm-hmm. that liberation has to take place in the context of a new narrative of self
0: Yeah, yeah and a yeah. new
2: narrative right and so if i'm if i'm basically in a narrative of self that's broken mm-hmm. right and in a narrative of universe story that's broken and then i go to address my sexuality then Mm -hmm. i'm going to get devastated. let me give you an example let me give an example so one of the sentences actually that i've talked about with 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 brother Aubrey is the sentence that we're going to hopefully we'll do a whole whole set of conversations about it but what i would call the medicine needs the dharma and the dharma needs the medicine Right. So by medicine we're referring to kind of journeying, right? You know, that the kind of you know, the journey, right? And the journey is an ancient, beautiful, gorgeous technology that's always existed that's now entering into the mainstream of culture. And mm-hmm. Aubrey, for example, has been very, you know, involved in that kind of journeying, as has as as Kyle. They, they both have mm-hmm. spoken about it publicly, et cetera. Yeah. So, but the medicine, let's stay close, right? So if I enter the medicine as a separate self, Mm -hmm. I'm a separate self, I'm a skin encapsulated ego, I enter the medicine, then the intelligence of the plant or the intelligence of the substance pretty much overwhelms me, right? Mm -hmm. And just throws me to and fro because here I am, this little skin encapsulated ego, separate self. And then there's this intelligence of the plant or the substance that actually overwhelms me. And I don't even know what to do with it. So actually I need the Dharma and the Dharma is the Dharma is the answers to the questions. These three great questions of cosmoerotic humanism, right? Who am I? Where am I? And what do I really want? So let's just take who am I? So if Mm -hmm. I'm not a separate self, but let's say I'm true self, I'm in the field of love intelligence. And then let's say I'm unique self. I'm an irreducibly unique expression of the field of love intelligence and love desire and, Love beauty, right? That's the initiating, animating eros of all that is that lives in me, as me, and through me. That's who I am. And then I'm, I'm an evolutionary unique self, right? I'm actually the personal face of the evolutionary impulse throbbing to messen alive in me, as me and through me. And when I enter the medicine from that place, mm-hmm. right, from this place, I call it homo, not just homo sapien, homo amor. Right. When I answer the medicine from that place, then the full intelligence of reality in me, as me, and through me meets the plant or meets the medicine. So that's what Ab and I are calling the medicine meets the Dharma, the Dharma meets the medicine. So the same thing's true in sexuality. So mm-hmm. sexuality is a journey. It's a psychedelic. It's yeah. it's not transforming, it's transfiguring. Right When you're in the moment before explosion, you're a different human being. You're completely re, right? recontextualized, you're transfigured, right? You're in a place in which all of you is actually in a different identity and you're accessing the field of erotic intelligence. The entire field of erotic intelligence is awake, alive in you, and you can see in ways you couldn't see, and you can know in ways you couldn't know, and you can feel, right? So when you're when when you're coming into sexing, right, from a different place of identity. And then, you know, so it goes through from a different universe story, right? From a different narrative of desire, then you experience sexing in an entirely different way. And and the, the tantra tragedy today. Is that I'm sure with very notable exceptions, as for example, I'm sure the course that you were mentioning that you took, right, which I'm sure was not this way. But in other words, lots of the Tantra world is just saying, I'm going to be a separate self. I'm going to dive into, right, right, sexuality. Well, slow down for a second. First, let's decide Mm -hmm. who am I? And then where am I? Mm -hmm. And then what's my deepest heart's desire? From there, Let's enter into the world of eros, the world of fuck, right? The world mm-hmm. of right, right, of, of sensuality. So that's mm-hmm. that's this we have to recontextualize the entire tantric engagement and relocate it in this wider field. Does that make sense? Yeah. Underly. Yeah. Yeah, really beautifully.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thank
1: you. Yeah, you
0: and with you. that
1: Yeah, with that sexual narrative, um, I know that you've said that we can't even respond to shame without that new sexual narrative. Can you kind of go into what that means?
2: Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And thank you for your work and thank you for 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 the beauty of this conversation.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm so thankful.
2: Yeah, delighted. So there's basically four sexual narratives out there in culture. Okay. And they've been around for a while. So, let's just play for a second. We'll just play for a second. There's sex negative, Sex is dangerous, and mm-hmm. sex negative's got that right. Sex is dangerous, right? You know, and others, as it should be. Right. So, mm-hmm. sex is dangerous, but sex negative says it's so dangerous, and it so can't be contained that it's going to override your own real sense of value and your own real sense of self, and it's going to hijack that. And so, though, although it's this very powerful thing. We actually should recognize this is really dangerous. It's going to actually undermine your essential integrity. Do it only under the most limited of circumstances, right, with the most safeguards, and really the less you do it, the better shape you'll be in. that's a Mm -hmm. sex-negative narrative. Now, here's Mm -hmm. the thing. It's not entirely wrong, right? It's true, but very partial. What's right about it is sex-negative takes sex seriously. It's Mm -hmm. actually interesting. Something about the sex negative, when it says, wow, this is explosive. This is dangerous to your sense of self. Yeah. Well, that's actually true. Sex yeah. is explosive. And it is dangerous to your, sen- your sense of self. And so in that sense, the sex negative narrative offers something that it takes fuck seriously. Mm-hmm. And it takes eros seriously. And that's beautiful. But it's yeah. obviously not enough. It's not enough. Mm-hmm. So then we go to uh, a second narrative which is, let's call it sex positive. Yes. Sex is good, right? It, it, it heals all ills, right? It's a panacea, right, to, to all pathologies. And, you know, just if you have sex, it's going to reset you. As Freud said, it'll reset your internal equilibrium and you'll have an orgasm and it'll recalibrate. And, and there's, there's a, lot, a lot of beauty in that. And there's a lot of, you know, truth in that. And sex is, is profoundly positive. But of course, mm-hmm. sex positivity, just like sex negativity, we kind of sense that's not quite right. Like we get it, but that's not quite right. Actually, sex is more than right. negative because it's dangerous. So in sex positive, we kind of sense, well, that's a little bland, right? Sex mm-hmm. positive. Sex is more than just positive. It's a little bland. It's a little too weak. It's a little too insipid. It's a little too flaccid. It's not not mm-hmm. potent enough. And so sex positive positivity doesn't exhaust what sexuality is. It's more than that. Right? And it doesn't take the danger into sufficient account because sex is dangerous in the most beautiful way, right? Chung Sa said, I come to speak dangerous words. I ask only that you listen dangerously. Right. So we mm-hmm. want, we want sex to be dangerous, right? In some way, we want it to be dangerous to our smallness. We want it to be mm-hmm. dangerous, to, you know, our, our contraction. We want it to be dangerous, yeah. pettiness. So, so, so that's sex positive, but it doesn't take the danger into account. It's a little bit insipid. It's not powerful enough. Then we got sex neutral. The sex neutral is, for example, the position of Kinsey, the great sex researcher, who was rebelling against his father, who was a sex negative preacher. And Kinsey says, "Sex neutral. It's just like having lunch. It's just biology. Relax, everyone." Now, Jade, do we think that sex is just like having lunch? No. No, we like lunch, (laughs) but it's definitely not just like having lunch, right? It's just not like Mm -hmm. having lunch. You can test it really easily. Let's say you're partnered and you say to your partner, oh, I had lunch with someone. I'll say, they'll say, great. Say I had sex with someone. They might have a a somewhat different response. So sex and lunch, not the same. Okay. So the sex neutral position doesn't quite hold either. Then we have the position that, that's very popular in kind of new age and tantric communities, which is sex sacred. Mm. It's sacred, it creates babies, right? It's this unimaginably sacred process. And that's of course true, just like sex neutral. Each one of these has something true in it. Sex is sacred, and, and sex does create babies. But but again, when was the last time you or nine nine percent of your listeners? had sex in order to create a baby.
1: Right.
2: Right. And, and we live in a world mm-hmm. of overpopulation. So we need to actually re-engage what population means. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, okay, that's, that, that doesn't quite catch it. So sex sacred because it creates babies. Well, no, not, no, that doesn't meet our sexual experience. So mm-hmm. what we've tried to do is, and I've done this together with my, my partner, Dr. Christina Kincaid, we, we worked on it in a book called a return to Eros. And we're doing it in a a, a much larger work now, right, called Phenomenology of Eros, right, where we're talking about what we call sex erotic. Mm. And sex erotic Mm
0: -hmm.
2: is actually the understanding, based on the best exterior and interior sciences we have in the world today, sex erotic is the understanding that, that sexual force that moves in you, that desire that moves in you, it's not just Jade or Kyle or Christina, KK we call her, or Mark. No, that, that desire that moves in me is the field of desire itself. It's the mm-hmm. eros of reality itself. The entire erotic impulse of reality is actually awake and alive in me. Sex erotic means sex is not local inside of me. It is the pulsing, dripping, tumescent, right? Alive, potent force of reality. So sex is not sacred because it creates life. Sex is life. And Mm -hmm. it is life itself. It is the current of Eros itself. And reality is Eros at its core that which Mm -hmm. animates the four forces, the strong and the weak nuclear and the electromagnetic and the gravitational, that which animates the molecular world, the atomic world, right? The the biological world and all of its levels and and the the world of the depths of the self-reflective human mind, the human world, it's all Eros. It's all fuck. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And Mm -hmm. reality is fuck all the way up and all the way down. And it's cool. And reality is God. God equals Mm -hmm. reality. So, God is eros, God is fuck, all the way up and all the way down. It's like, wow. Because okay, so all of a sudden, you get the sense, oh, so that movement of fuck that's moving in me. And the word fuck is important because it captures something that, that eros doesn't quite capture. Mm-hmm. So you need, right? So you need kind of fuck and love together are eros. Fuck plus love equals eros, right? Eros is Mm -hmm. is the rawness of it, but it's the fierceness of it, right? Making love is the quivering tenderness of it. Mm -hmm. But they're actually both faces of the erotic. And so so we actually need to re-access and reclaim that word. And I've actually written a lot about, you know, an essay called On the Word Fuck, a 20,000 word essay. The reason and the only way that we can act, not us take out the word, the reason, the only way we can actually move beyond shame is when our actual experience of the eros moving through us is that this is the eros of cosmos itself. Mm. Oh, then shame disappears. Let me say it one last sentence. Shame disappears, or let me say it the other way. Shame appears, or shame is, when fuck stops short of infinity
0: Hmm.
2: right in other words when fuck participates in the field of infinity when fuck is the infinite eros of reality right which is the divine force pulsing and throbbing in me then shame in the sense of the sense i'm broken i can't be fixed shame disappears now Mm -hmm. there might be a healthy version of shame which says oh let me call me to a deeper sexing, call me to to a more beautiful sexing, right? Maybe I should be choosing my partners with a little more discernment, right? Maybe I should be actually making love in a way which honors my partner in a deeper way. Maybe I want to become a a, a more gorgeous, devotional priest or priestess of desire. So so I could be called to a deeper sexing, but the actual experience of desire moving through me is the Mm -hmm. experience Erotic dimension of the goddess fuck of reality awaken alive in me, and that disappears. Right, all of the toxic shame, the shame which is a root of all evil. So that's so important. Without that, you can do all the therapy in the world, and all the work in the world, and all the transformational work in the world. If you don't actually have an experience of sex erotic, if you're caught like 99.9% of the world is in sex negative, or sex positive. Or sex neutral or sex sacred Mm -hmm. because it creates babies, right? The shame will still be overwhelming. It's only when I step into this new sexual narrative of sex erotic, sex is the eros of cosmos pulsing awake and alive in me, that you actually access the purity of fuck, the
0: Mm. goodness of fuck. You actually feel your own goodness and your
1: own purity. Wow. Yeah. Ah. Can you connect that to how sexuality contains within it all wisdom?
2: Yeah, and, and that—that's one of the principles in Return to Eros, right? That sexuality contains all wisdom. It's a great inquiry. I love that, and and thank you for the discerning questions and reading, which I just deeply appreciate. Right? What does that mean, sexuality? What do we even mean by that? Right? What does that mean? That's, it's a fantastic question. There's a text in the great canon of Western literature, which is called the Song of Solomon, or the Song of Songs.
1: Mm -hmm. I know it very well.
2: It's a gorgeous text. And this text is actually a description of the structure of reality as eros or fuck. And it's Mm -hmm. a series, if you actually read it carefully, it's a series of love notes. What I I call in my language outrageous with Christina, we call this outrageous love notes. Between a lover and a beloved, right? Mm-hmm. And so when, when Katie and I met, we started a practice, right, between between us, which I had been working with for a few years of writing outrageous love letters and outrageous love notes. And the Song of Songs, which is the penultimate text of the Western canon, is essentially a series of outrageous love notes between the lover and beloved but they're not just jade, outrageous love notes. They're outrageous, erotic love notes.
0: That's mm. what the song is. It's
2: like, wow. Yeah. It's like, wow. And so there's a text by a master named Akiva, who lives at the same time approximately as Jesus, who says, if all of the wisdom would not have been given, particularly if the Torah, right, the sacred texts of law would not have been given, we could have run the entire world based on the text of the Song of Songs, the Song of Solomon.
0: Mm.
2: Incredible. So if you had no law, you had no law at all, you just had eros, and particularly its sexual expression. You just had making love, fuck. And you actually listened deeply to the implications, the ethical implications, the ethos that comes from Eros, you would mm-hmm. have always. And that's actually true when you think about it. I'm not to give you one example. Just one example. Is that okay? Just yeah, of course. You. So let's take just the entire realm of value, how we give and receive value. So all mm-hmm. of economics based on I give you something, you take it. You give me something, I take it. Mm-hmm. You put money in your bank, you've got more money in. You take money out of your bank, you have less money in. That's how the world works. So there's mm-hmm. two distinct experiences that complete collapses in sexing. Yeah. In sexing, as I give you and you receive, you're giving me the biggest gift in the world. So, the split between giving and receiving that all of economics and politics is based on is subversively undermined in sexing. And sexing, when you approach your beloved and you give them the gift of your serving, and whatever sexual way you do that, that giving, right, is a gift, but their receiving is not taking their receiving is giving you the greatest gift in the world. And so Mm -hmm. when a a woman receives pleasure as Mm -hmm. she's being pleasured, her receiving of pleasure is the greatest gift she can give. And the same is true with a man. When a man Mm -hmm. receives pleasure, his receiving of that pleasure is the greatest gift he can give to his beloved. So the entire structure of a cosmos as it seems to be available in its superficial form, it's you're either giving or receiving. You're either receiving money into your account, or you're you're giving. Not true.
0: Mm-hmm. Giving and
2: receiving—that's incredible wisdom. And there's yeah. an incredible wisdom of this deeper level, right? And and actually, you can go through all of sexing and in this book, A Return to Eros, with with KK, with Christina, and an earlier book called The Mystery of Love. We actually try and explore the ten faces. Of Eros, maybe there's 12, it started as 10, but it's a bunch of faces, right? The faces mm-hmm. of Eros, and how each one is actually a path of wisdom mm-hmm. modeled sexual. So the sexual models eros, and eros is the structure of reality. So for example, being on the inside. Mm-hmm. Sp- Already, right, you're, you're you're on the inside of the inside. So we don't want to be there just in sex. We want to be there in all sorts of dimensions of life. But sexuality tells us models for us what it means to live an erotic life. Right. Mm-hmm. So sexuality at its best, it has its its more broken forms. Right? But but sexuality, you know, at its best, models the erotic. It models what it means to be on the inside, fullness of presence. Yeah. Modeled by the sexual. And, and on and on. Right? We could talk mm-hmm. about a lot of but on and on, right? That each quality of wisdom it is actually available, encoded in the body sacred of the sexual. So this the yeah. sexual is the seat of all wisdom. Mm-hmm. Right? Of all wisdom. And when I say all wisdom, I don't mean mechanical engineering. Right. I mean the wisdom of how we live with each other. Yeah, Uh, we live with each other it requires us to to give to give up control to the giving and receiving are one to enter the inside of the inside to live in the fullness of desire to experience our allurement to wholeness and to know that we're incomplete by ourselves right to actually have time shift its nature to actually stand still and enter eternity where we access imagination fantasy our ability to reimagine the world. So there's an entire world. Each one of these is a, a chapter in, in this book called The Return to Eros. But, but each one of these, this field of wisdom that's most accessible and modeled for us in the sexual. So the sexual models doesn't exhaust Eros. It models Eros. It's the invitation to the erotic life, which is the holy life because the erotic and the holy are one. There's
1: actually no distinction. Yeah. Yeah. And the giving and the receiving feels like how we worship each other. And I love, um, I read the quote at the top of the show about to live in the kiss, as you say, um, where it's the giving and the receiving at the same time. Uh, I believe that's how you call it to live in the kiss.
0: And that's what I really,
1: yeah, yeah. I crave that in all of my life to eroticize all of my life to where it all feels like that, like the way that, Serve. Yeah. And right. the, the way that I serve, um, bringing that up, I have a program coming out um, that has just oh, come yeah. Out called the, fantastic. Yeah. Called the Pleasure Priestess. And for Beautiful. me, pleasure played such a huge role in my trauma healing. Um, it's in my pleasure that I find not only a sense of thriving, but this connection to my original essence, it feels. And, and, you know the way that we commune with the divine, and and just so much that can come in, in in our in our pleasure when we, you know, treat it as a sacred practice, especially as a ritual. But um I would love to just talk pleasure with you and and how this yeah. relates to what you just discussed.
2: Yeah, beautiful. Let's talk pleasure, right? Let's talk <laughs> beautiful. So first off, congratulations, and just tell Thank me the name so, so, so I'll, I'll I'll know it. Of this, so you're creating a program now.
1: Yeah. The Pleasure What's Priestess. So I just beautiful. had a program come out yes, yes. about how trauma integration can be pleasurable, like bringing our pleasure alongside our pain alongside. All of the. Yeah. And this program is just how to deepen the pleasure and um how to use your pleasure intentionally, how to um, commune with the divine through pleasure and yeah, just all things pleasure. Yeah.
2: yeah all things pleasure. Gorgeous. Right? So first off the Congratulations on doing such important work, right? And and working with, you know, pleasure and trauma is enormously important. And and there's a whole, I just want to honor that there's a there's many places that Gnosis that knowledge is created. You know, I did uh, my my doctorate at Oxford University, which, you know, sets itself up as a you know kind of bastion of of knowledge. And with all due respect to Oxford. So in Oxford at the Bodleian Library, where I did a lot of my writing, I must have written a couple thousand pages there, you know, a few years ago. So there's a, the bust of five men from the neck up outside of the Bodleian Library, which is the image of what knowledge is, right? Mm-hmm. Masculine from the neck up. But of course, that's not what gnosis is. And gnosis, true knowledge, true knowing is erotic, is sensual. Genesis chapter four, verse one, and Adam knew his wife Eve. Right. So knowing Mm -hmm. is carp, knowing is erotic, knowing is sensual. And we need to generate many new places, right, outside of the classical university that do deep work in gnosis and generating knowing. And so as you do work on pleasure and trauma, I just want to encourage you to, to also. Write it up. Write it as an article. Share it. Right. Share it's because because you're you're holding a, a source of gnosis, or a source of knowing, and we need to bring that knowing right into culture. And so, just really, congratulations on this. Just you know, on, on, on doing it, being in that work, which is kind mm-hmm. of crazy and wildly important. So yay. So pleasure is mm-hmm. a very, 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 very big topic. One of the faces of the erotic is pleasure. Mm-hmm. One of the twelve faces in return towers of the erotic is pleasure. And pleasure itself is a you know a huge conversation. I was you know privileged to a bunch of years back complete a book on pleasure which now a a group of students kind of brought together the transcripts and now we're you know we're we're kind of close to publishing but it's a very 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 big topic and not not to be entered lightly but let me just try and say it this way in just a word just to kind of access so there's Talk about pleasure. First, we need to access voices of pleasure that live in us. Mm. There are voices of pleasure. That's a whole conversation we'll talk about in a minute. And then there are what I call principles of pleasure. That's a second conversation. Then there's a third conversation which is called levels of pleasure. And that's the mm. third conversation. And each one of those, so let's just touch gently, just in a couple of minutes, each of those. Let's talk voices. Let's just talk voices for a second. So what are the voices of pleasure that live in Jade? Right, right. That live in Mark, that live in you know, Christina. What are the voices of pleasure that live in us? Let's think for a second. So let's think, what are the voices of pleasure? So, so can I do it? Can we do a little practice for a second? Is that okay? Of course. Okay, let's do it. Okay. So I'm going to ask, let's see if we can identify some voices of pleasure and then let's speak to them. Let's have a conversation with them. Okay. okay. So first, let's just put a bunch of voices on the, on the table. So let's say, give me some voice. What would be a voice of pleasure? Like the voice of the joy of pleasure. That'd be a voice, right? That's Mm -hmm. the voice of joy of pleasure. Anything else? Any other voices come to mind? Um, The voice of.
1: It feels like. Go ahead. Yeah. Worthiness, surrender.
2: So worthiness, worthiness, communion. So worthiness means, right? But I'm worthy meaning saying I deserve pleasure. I deserve pleasure. So there's, let's say, the voice of the joy of pleasure. The second Uh voice is, I deserve pleasure, right? So that's Uh the second voice. All right, what else? Give me another voice. One more voice. voice of? um,
1: Either, like, maybe surrender or, like, union to the divine.
2: Right, so union and surrender are absolutely, you've got that completely right. Absolutely, and beautiful, deep bow. Union Mm -hmm. and surrender are one of the qualities that emerge the experiences from different forms of pleasure. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for a little bit. The voices of pleasure, when we say pleasure, what comes up in our minds? We have, right? We have a voice which is, I want pleasure.
0: Mm-hmm. That's a
2: voice. A mm-hmm. voice is, you know, I feel the joy, the joy of pleasure is a voice. I deserve pleasure is a voice. Mm-hmm. But another voice mm-hmm. might be, I'm ashamed of pleasure. I'm mm. ashamed. Right? I'm ashamed of pleasure. Another mm-hmm. voice might be pleasure is dangerous. It's another mm-hmm. voice, a bunch of voices. Selfish. Say again. It's selfish. Right. Players, right. Pleasure is selfish. Exactly. Pleasure is selfish. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk to these voices a little bit. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful way. in. Okay. So I'm going to, we'll deploy a method, which is developed in Esalen in the late nineties called Parts theory. And there's a lot of versions of it. One of them is voice dialogue. So I'm going to ask mm-hmm. to speak to a particular voice and, you'll, and I'll say, I'm going to ask permission. And if you want to, you'll give me permission. And then I'll say, who are you? And you'll say, I'm that voice. And then I'm going to ask you some questions. Fair. So we're going to model. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Are you, are you regretting saying yes to this exercise? Do you want
0: to really say hey, not? Okay,
2: to <laughs> okay, here we go. I'm we're in. in. We're in. Okay. So here we go. So I'd like to speak to the voice of, I want pleasure. Do I have permission to speak to that voice? Yes. Awesome. Okay, so who am I speaking to? I'm speaking to the voice of I Want Pleasure.
1: Who am I speaking yes,
2: okay.
1: to? I'm speaking to the
2: voice that I want pleasure. Fantastic. Okay, so I'm I'm Mark. Nice to meet you. Um, Voice of I Want Pleasure. So I'm not speaking to Jade. I'm speaking to a voice in Jade, which is the voice of I Want Pleasure. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> so voice of I Want Pleasure. So how much pleasure do you want? Short answers. Limitless. Limitless. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And I want, right. Right. I want all the pleasures in the world. Right. Limitless. Right. Beautiful. Okay. So, you know, how often do you want pleasure? Mm, Daily. Daily. Right. Right. I want pleasure daily. Is daily enough or like twice daily? What you thinking about that?
1: Yeah. Throughout the day
2: throughout the day. I think not, not daily. I actually like pleasure kind of throughout the day. Okay. So I want pleasure. I want limitless pleasure. I want it all the time. Okay. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And this pleasure that you want all the time, how, how deep do you want it to be?
1: Mm. Yeah. To where it's like penetrating every cell, every organ and that my body feels like it's dripping in honey and so deep that it can, it can be held even when there's grief, even when there's pain. Wow.
2: Wow. wow. So I want the deepest pleasure that penetrates every dimension of my body It's dripping like honey in my body. And it's so deep that I can even hold it when there's pain. Okay. Beautiful. So thank you. Thank you. Voice of I want pleasure. So there's pleasure speaking to that voice. Now we'll shake that voice off. We've got to shake it off a little bit. Shake it off. There we go. Okay, shake it off. Okay, let's speak to another voice. Okay, so I'd like to have permission to speak to the voice of I deserve pleasure. Yes. Yes. Okay, so who am I speaking to? The
1: voice of I deserve pleasure.
2: Okay, fantastic. So so voice of I deserve pleasure. So first off, why do you deserve pleasure? Mm, it's my
0: fault.
2: It's my birthright, right? I deserve pleasure because pleasure is my birthright. Exactly. And my very being, it's my birthright as a human being. Right. Okay, beautiful, beautiful. And which pleasures do you deserve exactly?
1: Hmm. The pleasure of tasting life fully, of experiencing it all. Yeah, the pleasure of tasting
2: life fully, of it experiencing it all right in all dimensions. Mm -hmm. It's in every way that I can. Okay, good. Thank you. Thank you. It was was delightful to talk to the voice of, I deserve pleasure. Now let me speak to a different voice. Can I talk Mm -hmm. to the voice of, I don't deserve pleasure. Mm -hmm. That voice lives in us. It's there, right? So can I have to talk to the voice of, I don't deserve pleasure. Yes. Permission? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So who am I speaking to? The voice of,
1: I don't deserve pleasure.
2: Okay. So voice of, I don't deserve pleasure. So, so Jade, right, right. Why don't you deserve pleasure? And again, mm-hmm. not speaking to Jade, but voice of, I don't deserve pleasure, right? Why don't, why don't, why doesn't Jade deserve pleasure?
1: It's uh, it's dangerous. It's too seductive.
2: It's right. It's dangerous. It's too seductive. Like I get, I can get drawn into it and can't find my way out. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Why mm-hmm. else? Why
0: else?
1: You can't be
2: trusted. And, and and you know what? And I've made mistakes in this pleasure before, right? Because I'm so when I'm so in it, and I, I make decisions that are wrong. I can't be trusted, and I mm-hmm. wind up being in places I don't want to be. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Can't be trusted. Anything else? Why else? Why else?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. right. But you not deserve pleasure. I think the, the Eve story comes up like an Eve wound.
2: You know, yeah. There's there's this deep right. There's this deep thing inside of me, that that knows that pleasure gets us into trouble and exiles us from gardens. So although it looks Mm -hmm. good, right? But but it's so hard to discern. Okay, good, good. Anything else? Anything else? You know, anything else? Just why I don't deserve Mm -hmm. pleasure? And you mentioned something before, but but being selfish. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Take some time from other
1: things. Yeah
2: takes up time for other things and and does everyone in the world have the same amount of pleasure that you do
1: uh, yeah that, that's that's
2: right? there too right right it's mm-hmm. like wow like here i am right you know here i am right just got everything available right beautiful intelligent creative and you know i can attract people and resources to me and so i'm getting all this pleasure but wow when i think about it it's like it's not evenly distributed no
1: right? and maybe There's-
2: in Rwanda, right, right, mm-hmm. and so maybe I don't deserve all this pleasure, right? Maybe mm-hmm. that's all right. Okay, thank you, thank you, thank you. Voice of I don't deserve pleasure, right? So we can hold right there, right? We could we could go on. But there's about ten major voices. It's like whoa, mm-hmm. right? Those are big voices, right? Those are big voices. Okay, mm-hmm. so in order to enter pleasure, first off, we need to access these voices. We need to actually feel them, and then we need to find, even before we go to principles of pleasure or levels of pleasure, which we may not get to today, but we have to find deeper voices.
1: Thank you for listening to part one of this episode. Stay tuned next week for part two. But we got what it
0: takes for the circus.